word this morning. The, uh, be, go, before we get started, next, what, next Saturday, I believe, is July the 4th. And uh, my understanding is they've canceled all the fireworks. And uh, so I've got a brilliant idea. You know, you all can go to this thing called YouTube, shut off all the lights in your house, turn up the volume, and go to fireworks. And just ooh and ah in your living room. Ooh. Ah. Don't, don't let them control your joy. If you like fireworks, find a way to have your own fireworks. If you want to, just stand out on your front porch and go boom. Your neighbors might call the popo, but at least you'll have some fun. Enjoy your fourth. Amen? All right. The title of today's message is Nothing But the Best. The, um, I want to say that as children of God, you and I have been promised the best. And we need to learn to expect the best. But in order to do that, we have got to divorce ourselves from a religious mindset. Because, you know, even though the world says that there's three great religions in the, in the world, there's Judaism, there's Islam, and there's Christianity, Christianity properly lived is not a religion. You can turn it into a religion by making tradition more important than the word and by making form more important than godliness, but that's not Christianity. True Christianity is a relationship with a living, moving God. Amen. Amen? It's not about traditions. It's about daily obedience. It's not about forms. It's about following Him. And so the, the religion teaches the bedrock of all religions, and it doesn't matter which one you study, which one you pursue, all religions have the same foundation, and that is this, that all must suffer in order to become perfect. Are y'all here this morning? I know there's a lot of folks missing, but you can, you, you know, the lights are really bright, so if you just say amen, I think we got a full house. The religion teaches that you must suffer in order to be made perfect. But the gospel message teaches that one has suffered so that all would be made perfect. So it's not about the suffering of the all, it's about the suffering of the one. And the Bible does not teach that we are made perfect by our suffering. The Bible teaches us that we are made perfect by the one. Amen? So we need to understand that whatever religion teaches, the opposite is going to be true in the kingdom. Religion enforces sickness and poverty and distress and misery as tools of perfection. The kingdom of God delivers us from all of those because the one suffered all of those so that we would not need suffer them. So when God gives us a promise, it's based upon the sacrifice of the one and the obedience of the rest. Right? Not upon the sacrifice. Uh, many have been, and, and I'll get to the message in just a minute, but I got I to lay this foundation because if we believe even for a moment that God is using poverty or sickness or misery or any other such thing in order to train us toward a perfect, or perfect walk in Christ, we've missed the mark and we got our eyes on our sacrifice and not His. 
And then we've made Christianity a work of the flesh and not of the spirit. And so we need to, if religion teaches you need to be poor to be godly, we've got to understand that that ain't true in the kingdom. Now, can people abuse the promises and the benefits? Absolutely. They do it all the time. But just because somebody takes a promise of God and abuses it doesn't mean we divorce ourselves from it. Are y'all here this morning? You see, I, 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 I tend to be a person of extremes. My wife says I've got two speeds, stop and full. And so in my walk with God, I've, I've, I've been kind of the extreme. If, if, if I thought they were abusing a truth, I would never touch it. There, there was for years, I wouldn't even mention the word tithe because so many people had abused it to hurt God's people. I wouldn't even mention it. But I overbalanced because tithing in faith is good. Tithing in fear is not. But just because some people tithing fear based doesn't mean we divorce ourselves from it faith based. Just because there are some preachers who believe that gain is godliness doesn't mean we accept poverty as godliness because neither are true. Right. Great gain is not godliness. Great poverty is not godliness. Godly is godliness. And Brother Hagin used to always say the truth is somewhere in the middle. So just because somebody overemphasizes something, I, I heard a preacher say one time that they were so valuable, they wouldn't write their name with anything less than a $10,000 pen. I thought a bit works just fine for me. But see, that, that doesn't mean then that we should just do away with being blessed just because some imbecile overemphasizes something, right? I think it's in the Bible somewhere, the idiot you'll have with you always. That's not in there. Don't Google it. It ain't in there. That's a Jimmyism, not a Bible reference. But just because somebody does something, we listen, what we need, all, this is it. All we need to know is what does the Bible say? If the Bible makes me a promise, then I'm not going to divorce myself from the promise to make the religious happy. Because, see, you and I need to understand something that the unhappy, right, those people who are just miserable in life, the unhappy are unhappy even when you're unhappy. And the unhappy are unhappy even when you're happy. So you might as well just be happy and let them be unhappy. You may as well just be blessed and let them be miserable. And maybe one day they'll get tired of the misery and look at you and come to you and say, you used to be just like me. Now you're blessed. Your, your family is stable. Your life is stable. How did you get from here to there? And now you can lead them. But you can't lead no one nowhere if you're in the same spot they is. Is this OK? So we're talking about nothing but the best. Go to Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19. And I want to read to you, this is, this is, Brother Hagin used to call this one of the most outstanding promises in the Bible. In reading it to you out of the New American Standard, here's what it says. If you consent and obey, you will, everyone say, I will, eat the best of the land. If I'm going to say it again, if you consent and obey, you will eat the best of the land. It's in the Bible. 
And I say this to you often, so often you ought to be able to say it before I finish it. But if it's written, our uncertainty is unnecessary. If it's in the Bible, it doesn't matter what Dr. Blowhard says. Right? Never let somebody explain away the Bible. Don't let them do it. Don't, let, don't be impressed by PhDs and credentials without character. Just, if the Bible says it, just believe it because the Holy Spirit is the author of it. And as I've already said, he's very particular in the words he used and in the message he wants to convey. So if he said, you, if you consent and obey, you will, then you will. Now, backstory is always really, really important. So I want to take just a few moments to give you the backstory of what was going on in Isaiah's time. So if we could put up on the screen Isaiah chapter 1, verse 7. We're going back just a few verses. Because in the time of Isaiah, when this wonderful prophetic promise came to be, the people of Israel were watching their culture crumble, their cities burn, and their villages being looted. Like now. The similarities are there. Listen to what verse 7 says. Your land is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your fields, strangers are devouring them in your presence. It is a desolation as overthrown by strangers. Now what strangers means, and tell me if the parallels are not just freaky, uncanny. Nobody was burning down their own cities. They were coming from other cities to burn down the cities they didn't live in. Strangers were coming into town and burning it down. Okay? Let me read you the same verse out of the contemporary English. Your country lies in ruins. Your towns are in ashes. Foreigners and strangers take and destroy your land while you watch. Hmm. Sounds familiar. If Solomon was right when he, he said there is literally nothing new under the sun. Everything that's been done will be done. Right? So when people, you know, the news is, oh, these are unprecedented times. All you need to know is history. These aren't unprecedented times. It's been done before. And it was done to the people of God. Wonderful thing. It's not about the doom of history repeating itself. Here's the, the, the great thing. If it happened before and the people of God found a way out, then you and I can know that even in a time of pressure and temptation, God has provided us a way out. Because not only do people do the same thing, our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if He ever delivered anyone from a time of calamity and desolation, He will deliver us from a time of calamity and desolation. We're not doomed to die. Amen. Now go to go to verse 13, because here's what's interesting is the people seem to be doing all the right things. They weren't just sitting there watching their cities burn. They seemed. Remember, I've quoted this to you before. There seems to be a way that's right unto a man. They seem to be doing the right things. And this is, what, this is what the Lord says about what they were doing. Verse 13, reading it to you out of the New Living. Stop bringing me your meaningless gifts. The incense of your offerings disgust me. As for your celebrations of the new moon and the Sabbath and your special days of fasting, 
They are all sinful and false. I want no more of your pious meetings. You know what's something that I've discovered about the Lord? He likes real. He just wants you and I to be real. When you pray, don't put on airs. I've discovered in my own life that the, 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 the most effective prayers that I've ever prayed is when I'm hurting, I explain to God I'm hurting. I don't come to him with these and thous and pre King James English, man. I said, God, this stinks. This hurts. I don't like it. And then God responds. But when I come to him wearing a mask of religiosity, you understand? I, I even got to do the church of God jerk when I pray. Lord, the Lord's probably looking down going, what's wrong with you? Did you get bit by a tick? Just keep it real. The Lord says, I don't like all these make-believe meetings you're having. Verse 14, I hate your new moon celebrations and your annual festivals. They are a burden to me. I cannot stand them. One of the things that we all got to learn in our walk with God is the Lord only accepts the sacrifices he calls for. That's worth an amen right there. The Lord only accepts the sacrifices that he calls for. Because the, 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 whole, the whole subject of today is going to be obedience. And as we know from the book of Samuel, I believe it's 2 Samuel, he said obedience is better than sacrifice. Can I say something to you? You and I cannot sacrifice our way out of disobedience. No, sir. Right? We, we, we can't bring God a $100 tithe check and think that covers our act of disobedience that week. No, no, no. The only remedy to disobedience is repentance. And repentance doesn't mean you cry about it. Repentance simply means, Lord, give me another chance and I'll do it. Everyone say obedience. Obedience is the pathway to the best. Obedience, hear me when I say this, obeying God is the pathway to deliverance. It's the, it's, it's the pathway to prosperity. Every good and perfect gift comes down from above and it lands on the obedient. The disobedient will never even know that there's benefits that come down every day because they position themselves in such a place as to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And they're always wondering, when, God, are you going to do what you promised? God's always doing what he promised he would do. We never have to pray for God to move on our behalf because he's always moving. God's not stagnant. God is not a statue. God is so energetic. God is the most passionate, the, the most energetic personality. I think when we get to heaven and we meet him, we're going to say, my God, you're enthusiastic. Because God pulsates with energy. He's been moving since the spirit of God hovered over the waters. He ain't never stopped. Don't we sing it almost every Sunday? Even when I don't see it, you're moving. Even when I don't feel it, you're moving. Why? Because you never stop. You never stop. You never stop. You're constantly doing good. All we've got to do is get ourselves in that position to receive. 
Now, one of the things that I've told you in times past is this. Listen. Well, let's go. Let's read verse 15. When you lift up your hands in prayer, I will not look. Though you offer many prayers, I will not listen. For your hands are covered with the blood of innocent victims. Now, if he had stopped right there, this would be a truly depressing scene. But please remember this. God never ends on a negative. If you're left with the feeling that God has ended with a note of condemnation or negativity, then you, you stop listening too soon. Because God never ends on a negative, he always ends on a positive. And the positive in this whole story, which seems so, God says, I hate your meetings, your sacrifices disgust me. When you pray, I ain't listening. And it's like, oh, what hope do we have? Got to keep reading. Because then that's when he comes to verse 19. Let's read it again. If you consent and obey, you will eat the best of the land. And really what the Lord is saying is this. Everyone look up. I mean, no matter what your situation is, no matter how trying your trial, no matter how upsetting your storm, you can turn this all around just by doing what the Lord has said. You can, you can walk out of your trial. You can walk out of your situation. You can walk into what the psalmist called a wealthy place, but you don't get there by doing what you think you ought to do. You get there by doing what the Lord has told you to do. Because God is always leading you to a higher plane. God is never leading you to demotion. He's always leading you to promotion. God is always seeking. Listen, God's not interested in keeping you down and out. Man, he died and shed his blood to bring you up and in. And he never changes, right? So he's always trying to lead us to a better place. He never wants to leave us in the place he finds us. So the Lord says here, you can turn this all around and you've only got to do two things. I love how God keeps it simple. One of the things that I've discovered over the years is it takes educated preachers to make it complicated. God always keeps it simple because he, he wants the least of us to be able to do it. You understand what I'm saying? Not the most, I've always, church service isn't for the most spiritual. It's for the least spiritual. Because the most spiritual, they already come prayed up. They come into the churches, shanda baba bahaya, oh, And no, it ain't current. Someone asked me last week, they said, Pastor, who taught you to dance? Because they said, you dance like Kermit the Frog. I do not. I dance like Carlton. Google it. But the most spiritual... They come into church already fired up. The church service ought to be designed to reach, reach that one that hasn't prayed all week. 
that, that they feel like their flame is about to go out, like their reed is bruised and it's about to be broken. And we come together to motivate one another and encourage one another and tell the one who's the weakest, the one who feels like giving up, it's too soon to quit because God has got something great in store for you. You don't understand how special you are because you've been listening to the lies of the devil all week. You are not unloved. You are not unwanted. You are not unappreciated. You ought to shut your ear to those things and you ought to hear the voice of the Lord when he tells you, I love you. I've got a plan for you. I've got a future for you. End of the book is not yet written. It's being written as you walk in obedience. Hallelujah, Father. So these two things, just two little things that the Lord said to do. Number one, consent. Which in the Hebrew is hava. And this is what it means. Y'all listening? To desire. Put your heart into it. See, with the Lord... Motive is more important than action. Can I say that again? The Lord looks at the heart. It's not about what you do, it's why did you do it? Was your heart in it? The the Bible actually talks about a group of people who say they're His. They even worship Him with their lips. But the Lord says their heart is far from me. So see, we can impress each other with what we say and how we do it and how we dance. But the Lord looks at the heart and says, you're doing that to impress him. You're doing that to impress her instead of to express my love for you. You see, listen, can I say it's not about impression. We're not trying to impress one another. It's about expression. We lift our hands because we're expressing, not trying to impress. Y'all not to look around to see who's looking at you dance. That's right. right. Put your heart into it. In Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13, the scripture lays this out. You can do all the right things, but if your heart isn't in it, it isn't acceptable. And so the Lord says, these people say they are mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And listen to this. And their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. God said, put your heart into it. The first thing we've got to do is just put our heart into obeying him. The next thing he says is obey. This word obey in the Hebrew is shama. It has been said by men much more educated to me that this is the most important word in ancient Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one, the shama. It literally means this, hear with the intent of obeying. Yes, sir. So the first thing the Lord says, if you want to turn this whole situation around, where everything, your dreams have been burned, your, your hopes have been destroyed, you've been laid waste by people's words and what they've done to you, and, but you want your future to be something different than your past, you've got to, first off, put your heart in a new place. Your heart has been in your pain, put it in your prince. Your heart has been in your past, put it in your future. Put your heart in a new place. Then the second thing is, is hear what the Lord is saying with the intent to obey Shema. You've got to hear. Obedience is impossible for those who will not hear. In fact, over and over, is this okay this morning? 
over and over again throughout the Bible. Whenever the Lord would speak of his people's disobedience, he would say things similar to this. My people will not listen to me. Because disobedience is predicated on on not hearing. The unwillingness to hear. So the remedy, the remedy to disobedience is the willingness to hear. The willingness to hear, Lord, what would you have me do? And then the heart to follow through with what he said to do. Now, can I say something to you this morning? Something we need to understand is the instructions of the Lord will never make sense to the natural mind. The instructions of the Lord will always lead you into a spiritual move. So when we hear instructions from God, be they simple or be they complicated, and it seems to make no sense, it's because we're trying to process it through a logical. If we come to God and say, God, I ain't got no money, and the Lord says, I want you to give to the missionary. I just said, I ain't got no money. Now, let me look up how you say money in Hebrew, because maybe that's the language you speak. (laughs) I ain't got no money. We can say that to God a million times, and his instructions will remain the same. Because he ain't going to change. What he's saying is, here's the remedy. Take of that what you do have, trust me, do what I told you to do, because I'm not trying to lead you to an impoverished place, I'm trying to lead you to a wealthy place, but the wealthy place is paved with obedience. And so it's going to, every instruction of God is going to require, now hear me when I say this, because he'll start out where you are, But every instruction of God will lead you to a greater step and a higher level of spirituality. Every step step will... Because he's trying to make us more like his son. And so every instruction is a step into the spiritual realm of living. And so it makes no sense to the natural mind because the natural mind is at odds with God. So we have to switch from natural thinking to spiritual thinking. So I ain't got no money. He tells me to give. Is he trying to impoverish me? No, he's trying to deliver me. So I got to take of that which I have, take a step of faith and give it. And see, now, don't get hung up on what I'm saying about money. That's just the easiest thing because that's something we all got in common. For some of us, it's an act of service. You get asked to sing in church, but you ain't got time. Ain't none of us ever got time. So you're asked to do something for others. We can either not do it because we're looking at a natural schedule and say, well, I, I don't have the time to get involved. I can't inconvenience myself. And we can continue along a path of disobedience. Or we can say, I'm going to make time because I know God. Listen, one act of obedience will bring favor into my life. And one moment of favor I can do more with than I can a lifetime of my own labor. That's right. 
So I can either try, listen, for years, can I, 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 I do have, a, I got to get back because we got a long ways to go and that thing ain't stopping. And I didn't set this, so I ain't worried about that, but that ain't stopping. When my wife and I first got married, she married into my debt. I, I worked two jobs, went to Bible school and worked 80 hours a week trying to get out of debt. But I couldn't get out of debt because, you know, the one thing I wouldn't do, I would not give. I didn't give from a joyful heart. And when I did give, I gave reluctantly because I was just trying to pay off the Godfather. I didn't want to wake up with a horse's head in my bed. Right? And I figured if I gave him that 10%, he wouldn't make my tires go flat. My heart wasn't in it. And we never could get out of debt. This, maybe I'm the only one that's ever Sorry. been here. But it didn't matter how hard I worked. I never could get us past that point. You gotta preach, man. Because it seemed as if I had pockets with holes in them. I mean, I would save a little bit of money and a, our engine would blow up. I would do this and something else. There was always something. Then one day... I spent some time in his word and I said, Lord, whatever the cost, I'm going to obey. And I hadn't prayed that not two minutes. And she walked into the house and told me about a Russian exchange student, not a missionary, not a televangelist, not a church, not just a Russian exchange student who wanted an opera CD she had seen at the mall. Nothing spiritual about it. Can I say something to you? Being obedient ain't about being super spiritual. In fact, most of the super spiritual people I've met are the most disobedient people I ever met. They're the most mean-spirited. They're the most... Just, but being obedient is the most... high. It, that's what a truly spiritual person is. They just obey. The Bible says of Jesus that he did always those things that were pleasing in the Father's sight. So she came in, I just got this, I just prayed this prayer. Lord, give me a chance and whatever, I'll do it. She walks in the house and she says, this, this girl wanted this CD and it cost $20. That may have, been, you should have asked me for 200 grand. You would have had just about as much luck. Because 20, that was huge. And I jumped up out of the chair. I said, let's go to the mall and get it. She thought there, there was an invasion of the body snatchers. <laughs> She asked me, she said, who are you? You look like my husband, but you ain't my husband because my husband never jumps at the chance to give. And we ran down to the mall and we bought that CD and we gave it to her. And that was, think, in no time at all, we were out of debt. And no, something that my wife had never been able to get her a piano. The day we bought that, actually we figured out it came before, a piano was being sent to us debt free. You understand what I'm saying? God, listen, when, we, when, we, when God calls us to obey, we look at the cost. We count crosses and losses. You hear people say, Pastor, you don't know what I've given up for the Lord. Please. Do you know what he gave up for you? It ain't about what you gave up for him. It's about what he gave up for you. I count the losses and the crosses. Stop it, baby. That's your problem. Count the benefits and the blessings. There's my Kermit dance. It ain't about the crosses and the losses. It's about the blessings and the benefits. 
And he is seeking to bless you because he's a blesser by nature. I need to hurry up. Shema means, listen to this, to comply to the request, the command or direction, to submit to the authority. Simply do what he says. Whenever, all right, the, listen, the Bible makes it clear, we know this, that faith comes by hearing. The greatest manifestation of faith is obedience. I want to say that again. The, great, the greatest manifestation of faith in any of our lives is obedience. In fact, Pastor Tony Evans said this, and I'm going to give him credit because it's too good for me to claim it. He said the opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is disobedience. Because faith always obeys. So the ultimate intent of faith, listen to this, the ultimate manifestation of faith is obedience. The, ultima, the ultimate intent of faith is to make God's truth our reality. Therefore, obedience to God, uh, I want, I'm going to say this again because I want you all to get this. The ultimate manifestation of faith is obedience. The ultimate intent of faith is to make God's truth our reality. Therefore, Obedience to God conforms our life to God's design. Through obedience to God's voice, God's truth becomes our reality. That's worth the price of admission right there. As I already said, Jesus, the Bible says of Jesus, get this. The Bible says of Jesus that he always did. Say always. Always. Not sometimes. He always did those things that were pleasing in his sight. So Jesus obeyed the Father. Nature and life obeyed Jesus. Hear me. A man or woman under authority becomes a man or woman of authority. But if you ain't under authority, you'll never have authority. This is the reason why you pray and nothing changes. This is the reason why you talk to your mountain and it laughs at you. Because faith is not just talking to the mountain. Faith is hearing. And whatever he says to me, do it. And I become a man under authority. And as I become a man under authority, I become a man of authority. Authority is not found in the title. Have you ever noticed how a lot of pastors keep adding titles? Yes. I mean, some of the titles, I, I, I don't even know Catholic popes that got that many titles. Yes. They're the Grand Poobah Supreme Pontiff of the... Authority's not found in a title. Authority is found in being under authority. And as we become under authority, Lord, whatever you say to me, I'll do it. We become people of authority. So now when we speak to the mountain, it'll obey. Why? Because we obey. It can't disobey if I obey. Because as I sow, so shall I reap. I can't reap or sow disobedience and reap obedience. 
I'm preaching myself happy. Look at Luke chapter 17, verse 6. Is this okay? When we are people of authority, when we pray, things will change. When we speak, reality will be altered. Luke chapter 17, verse 6. If you had faith, which comes by hearing, with the intent of obeying, if you had faith like a mustard seed, you would say to the mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. But it's obeying you is founded on you obeying him. Because what is the greatest manifestation of faith? Obedience. Over and over and over again, people say, Pastor, if I only knew what the Lord told me to do. I've said it. You've said it. We've all said it. But the truth of the matter is, knowing what God wants us to do isn't hard. We don't need a burning bush experience. We don't need angels to fill the night sky. All we need to do is read the book. Because this is a more sure word of prophecy. See, what you got right here, if, if tonight your, bedrooms, your bedroom ceiling disappears, and with open eyes you behold the heavens, and you see angels from left to right and from top to bottom, and the glory of the Lord fills the sky, and they begin to sing prophetic words to you. Oh, what an experience. This is more sure than that. Because that could be a work of pizza. Uh -huh. You had too much pepperoni. They put a little something, something in your sauce. This is more accurate. You want to know what the Lord is saying? This is it. He put it in here. Want to know why? Because if it's written, our uncertainty is unnecessary. We don't have to wonder what does the Lord want us to do because he put it in a book. Can I give you just three verses? Listen, in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 16, this is what before he told them about consenting and obeying. Here's what he told them. Verse 16, Isaiah 1. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from my sight. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Reprove the ruthless. Defend the orphan and plead for the widow. That's what he told them. You know what he's asking of you and me? Be good. Do good. Be kind. None of this tit-for-tat stuff. Don't get them back because of what they said or what they did. Jesus said, you've heard it said from eight days of old, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. He said, you've heard it, but you never read it. Because it ain't in there. But the preachers were telling you, you love the people that are like you, Cleve, but you distrust and you're suspect and you hate the ones who aren't. You may have heard it, but maybe look in the Bible and see if it's in there. And if it ain't in there, don't obey it. 
Do what the Lord has told you to do. He said, love one another. If you say you love God, love each other. But Lord, she don't look like me. Love her. She don't act like me. Love her. She don't pray like me. Love her. She don't go to the same church I go to. Love her. Micah chapter 6 verse 8. The Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you. To do what is right. Hmm. To love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. And then in Galatians chapter 6 verse 10. So then, as occasion and opportunity open up to us, let us do good. You notice that word good is in all three of the verses I've read to you? So what is the Lord asking of you? Do good. And here's what it means in both the Greek, the Hebrew, and the English. Don't do bad. Do good. Don't do bad. Lord, I really want to be spiritual. Do good. Don't do bad. Lord, I want to be like Jesus. Do good. <laughs> For you know Jesus of Nazareth, right? How God anointed him with the Holy Ghost, and he went about doing... Let us do good morally to how many people? All people. Not only being useful or profitable to them, but also doing what is right for their spiritual good and advantage. Be mindful to be a blessing. Especially to those of the household of faith. Those who belong to God's family with you, the believers. Take every advantage or take advantage of every opportunity to do good to all people. All right? Let's go to Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to try to breeze through the rest of this. Matthew chapter 5. And I want to begin reading to you in verse 43 out of the Passion Translation. Your ancestors have also been taught, love your neighbor and hate the one who hates you. However, I say to you, love your enemy. Bless the one who curses you. Lord, I wish I knew what you were telling me to do. Lord, if you'd only give me a sign, reveal to me, Father. What would thou haveth me if doeth? Do good. Yes, Lord, what would you have me do? Do good. Love those who mistreat you. I'm going to find me another God. No, that ain't the solution. Love your enemy, bless the one who curses you. Do something, do something wonderful for the one who hates you. And respond to the very ones who persecute you by praying for them. For that will reveal your identity as children of your heavenly Father. He is kind to all by bringing the sunrise to warm and the rainfall to refresh, and whether a person does what is good or evil. Now listen to this. What reward, everyone say reward. What reward do you deserve if you only love the lovable? Don't even the tax collectors do that? How are you any different from the others if you limit your kindness only to your friends? 
Don't even the ungodly do that. Now this word reward, this is so important because God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. He said the key to getting all the things the Gentiles search after is seek first the kingdom and His righteous way of doing things. Am I helping you this morning? See, the, the key to having nothing but the best is never doing anything but obey. And if we'll obey our best, I do our utmost every day to obey His voice. Will we miss it? Absolutely. But if we wake up in the morning with the intent, Father, what would you have me do today? Do good? Find somewhere, someone to do good to. Never let a day end without you doing good to someone. It's a great place to start. And that's the path to a higher level of living. Okay? So this word reward is in the, in the Hebrew, the Greek is mistos. And it literally means the rewards which God bestows or will bestow upon good deeds and endeavors. Now I'm going to bring this to a close here shortly. Which means nothing. It's, it's preacher ease for you got a little bit longer in that seat. If you work a 40-hour work week and you get paid every Friday at the end of the workday. So come Friday at the end of the workday, you've not missed a single moment. You've been there for 40 hours. What do you expect to receive? A paycheck. Because the paycheck is the return for what you've done. God said in his word, he's more faithful than your employer. If you do what he says, there is a reward that is coming your way. And you have every right to expect it. Now, if at, if at work, you worked your 40 hours, you went to the window, they didn't have your check. Would you just say, well... I guess it wasn't the will of the Lord for me to get paid today. Would that be your attitude? Or would you say, listen here, dude. I put in my 40 hours. Give me my money. Ain't no devil in hell going to steal my paycheck. Somebody better be writing me a paycheck while I'm talking. But when it comes to God's promises... When we've done what the Lord has told us to do and it doesn't come, we say, well, I guess it wasn't the will of the Lord to heal my baby. I guess it wasn't the will of the Lord. No, no, no. If it's written, our uncertainty is unnecessary. And if we know that we have obeyed and we can have this confidence toward him that if we've obeyed him, we know he will do what he said he would do whether it's the giving of the offering, the giving of our time, the sacrifice of our time to someone else. Lord, I've done what you told me to do. I didn't miss it there. So when it comes time for... We need to stand. We don't give up on it. We say, Father, you promised. Now the Bible does say that after you have done the will of God, you have need of patience because sometimes some things are going to try to hinder, but what you don't do is you don't give up. If i got to stand on this spot for the next 40 years and claim the promises of God, God, you said you would, and I know that you will, and I ain't moving from this spot until you fulfill your word. And if we have that attitude, you will not need wait long. 
Y'all following me? But we can't just give up and say, well, I guess the Lord didn't want to bless me. No, the Lord does want to bless you. His intent is to bless you. And when we remove the obstacle of disobedience, now all we got to do is stand and wait in expectation. Because we have every right to expect God to fulfill His word. All right, I will bring this to a close. We need to understand that, oh, I'm going to skip that. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 28. I can't preach this type of sermon and not read to you the blessings for obedience. Listen to Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commands that I'm giving you today, what are the Lord's commands? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. In doing this, you fulfill all the other commandments. Isn't that what Jesus said? He said, a new commandment do I give you. What's his commandment? Love. Yes. So if I love you even if you don't look like me, yes. and I do good to you no matter how you treat me, am I not fulfilling the commandment? Yes. Well, if I'm fulfilling the commandment, then I have a right to expect that the Lord will set me on high above all the nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. You, your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. The fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. Can I say something to you? Can I just stop right here? God, listen, the blessing and the curse are not the same thing. They're not opposite sides of the same coin. You need to understand that there was no such thing as a curse in the garden until man disobeyed. The curse came as a way of limiting evil. That's the only purpose of a curse. This is the reason why the Bible says a curse without cause cannot come. Because the cause, the reason for a curse is to limit evil. Because if evil is left unchecked, there would be global genocide. Everyone would murder everyone. So God had to implement a curse to keep the human race safe. But if you're doing good, you don't need to be cursed. Because you don't curse good, you liberate good. And so the blessing is a liberation. Because if you're doing good at a low level, you'll do good at a high level. Give a good man a million dollars and see what he does. Because all money is is a magnifier of the intent of the heart. All right, let's keep going. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you'll be blessed. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. This is all based on obedience. They will attack you from one direction, but they'll scatter from you in seven. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your bank accounts with money. Wait, no, pastor, it says storehouses with grain. Grain is a medium of exchange. In the old days, if you wanted something, we would exchange grain. Right? I got a cow, you want it, give me some grain because I need bread. What is bread? Money. Money. (laughs) Have you never said that? Give me some. So what's a storehouse? It's a bank account. What is grain? It's a medium of exchange. Right? So what do we use as a medium of exchange today? Money, 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 money. 
Pastor, I can't believe you're using that word in church. Show me one place you go in this life you don't need money. My wife and I have flown across the Atlantic Ocean over 50 times. They never let me on a plane because of my stunning good looks. I'd even do this, Adam. I'd even do it at men ticket agents. They never let me on a plane unless I gave them some. <laughs> the Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving you. If you obey the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, the Lord will establish you as his holy people as he swore he would do. Then listen to this. Then all of your neighbors will see that you are a people claimed by the Lord and they will stand in awe of you. The Lord will give you prosperity in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you, blessing you with many children, numerous livestock, and abundant crops. The Lord will send rain at the proper time from his rich treasury in the heavens and will bless all the work you do. You will lend to many, but you will never need borrow from them. If you listen to these commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today, and if you carefully obey... The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. And you will always be on top and never be on bottom. Stand to your feet this morning. The Lord has given you and I a way out of whatever situation we find ourselves in. And it's not hard. It just requires hearing and obeying. Whatever he says to you, do it. And as you and I, step by step, obey the Lord, he will bring us into ever higher places of existence. Right? You follow me? Until eventually we reach this place, you can call it peace, you can call it prosperity, you can call it shalom. We'll reach a place where there's nothing in our lives that is broken. Nothing in our lives that's out of place. Nothing has been stolen. Nothing has been lost. We'll wake up one morning and we'll look around and think, Wow, life is so good. God, how did you get me to this place? How did you do all these things? We may never know how he restores the hearts of sons to their fathers and fathers to their sons and how he brings back prodigals and how he restores things that you gave up on and were stolen from you when you were just a child and you don't even remember it anymore. But we got to understand that our God tracks every tear. He remembers every dream, every prophetic utterance. He knows what you were born to do. And shalom is where there's nothing broken. There's nothing missing, and every word from God has been fulfilled in our lives. That is where He's leading us. Yes. Thank you, Lord. And all He requires of us is obeyed. Yeah. Just obey what He says. Yeah. So I want you to lift your hands. And this is, we're going to pray together. And as we pray, if you need personal prayer this morning, Lee's not here this morning, is he? Daisy, if you'd come and the rest of the prayer team. If you need prayer this morning, whether it's physical healing, you don't know the Lord yet. You need to know the Lord. You've never been filled with the Holy Spirit. 
We have a prayer team up here this morning that will pray for you, and you don't have to leave here with that burden anymore. But concerning the message, before I let you go, here's what I want you to pray. Father, my heart's cry is to obey you. I desire to obey. And so, Father, I pray for another chance. I apologize for having been disobedient. And I change, I repent right now. And I declare, Father, as soon as you give me opportunity, I will do good. And from this moment on, my number one goal is to obey you, to do what you said to do, so that you can do in me and for me what you have long intended to do. This is the day that I choose to have nothing but the best. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise.